0: Thank <laughs> you couple of scottish guys once said it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll but i can't imagine that anybody on this list thought getting to the peak of mixed martial arts would take them so long there have been 76 first-time ufc champions that didn't win the title in their debut and of those it took on average three years to go from their first fight in the promotion to having gold around their waist today we're going to take a look at the 10 fighters who had the longest roads from ufc debut to the time they were crowned the king of their division whether they were fired in between or spent their whole careers in the octagon i'm tommy from mma on point and these are the the 10 longest UFC journeys to championship gold. Number 10, Evan Tanner. We kick off our list with a fighter from the pre-Zufa era whose long journey is probably the least heralded of the champions we'll be discussing today, at least by modern fans. Evan Tanner amassed a record of 16-1 in his first year fighting professionally, largely in Texas but for a brief interlude in Pancrase, where he would win the Neo Blood Tournament. Tanner made his promotional debut at UFC 18 as a light heavyweight in January of 1999 and scored a pair of first-round finishes before heading back to Texas and Japan for five fights. Evan then returned at UFC 29, TKOing Lance Gibson, which granted him his first title shot at Tito Ortiz at UFC 30, where he was famously KO'd in the first 30 seconds by a slam and Tito's giant head. Tanner would fire off four wins next, three in the UFC, before getting TKO'd by Rich Franklin at UFC 42. From there, he would make his middleweight debut and have a duo of bouts with Phil Baroni. Despite a controversial stoppage in the first fight, Evan would win both encounters, then sub Robbie Lawler at UFC 50 to earn his middleweight title shot against David Terrell. The belt was vacant at the time. Tanner won the title with a first round TKO 2,221 days after his promotional debut, that's just a month over six years. He would lose the championship in his very next bout in a rematch with Rich Franklin. Number nine, Habib Nurmagomedov. Even though Habib Nurmagomedov left fans wanting more when he retired at 29-0 after defending his lightweight title three times, I really can't say I blame the guy because he had an unusually long road to get there compared to many champions. After an impressive 16-fight win streak on the Russian regional scene starting back in 2008, the unbeaten eagle made his UFC debut on the Fuel TV prelims for UFC on FX1, scoring a third-round rear naked choke victory. After narrowly defeating, or depending on who you talk to, losing to Gleason Tebow, Habib rattled off four straight wins, notably setting a single-fight takedown record against Abel Trujillo, and beating Future champion Rafael Dos Anjos. Then came the dark times. Injury after injury after injury after delay had Nurmagomedov questioning whether he would be able to fight ever again. Two years later, he finally re entered the octagon to smash poor Daryl Horcher since the Tony Ferguson fight was cursed by some kind of Eldridge Colt. Then we got the famous UFC 205 win over Michael Johnson and the call out of Conor McGregor. It was a big drama show. Following a win over Edson Barbosa, more canceled Tony Ferguson bouts in a bus attack would find Habib fighting ally Aquinta for the vacant title at UFC 223, where he would finally be crowned the king of 155 pounds. In total, it was 2,270 days from debut to 223. That's six years and nearly three months. Two years later, he'd leave the sport unbeaten to sell smartphone plans. Number 8. Rafael Dos Anos from one lightweight champion to another. Rafael Dos Anjos didn't exactly have the strongest start to his UFC career. After going 16-2 on the regional scene in Brazil for the most part, RDA would begin his octagon journey by getting knocked the fuck out by the hardest-hitting 145-er at lightweight, Jeremy Stevens, on the prelims of UFC 91 in November of 08, before dropping a UD to Tyson Griffin. It was chopping block time when Dos Anjos hit his first run of wins, three in a row, including a submission of the night over Terry Edom. He would lose two of his next three before winning five straight, capping that runoff by defeating Donald Cerrone, only to get UD by Habib Nurmagomedov in his next outing, but then the magic happened. After TKOing Jason High, RDA put away former champion Benson Henderson in a fight night main event, then dominated perennial fan favorite Nate Diaz in the co-main event of UFC on Fox to earn himself a shot at Mr. Wheaties himself, lightweight champion Anthony Pettis. Raphael would win every single round in a complete shutout, 2,311 days after he first stepped into the octagon. His six-year, four-month trek to gold had a rocky start, but ended well and set up the champ for a red panty night against Conor McGregor. An injury would spell doom for that opportunity, though, and he would drop the title to the underground King in July of 2016. Number 7. Chuck Liddell is it me or is it getting cold in here? The Iceman may be an aggressive, intolerant, unrelenting professional killer, but it took quite a while to reach his legendary five-fight run as light heavyweight champion. Chuck Liddell made both his professional and promotional debut at UFC 17 way back in May of 1998, but for a single loss to Jeremy Horn in his sophomore effort in the Octagon, Liddell would amass a 12-1 record with eight UFC victories over the likes of Jeff Munson, Kevin Randleman, Morella Bustamante, and Vitor Belfort. His impressive run earned him an interim title fight with Randy Couture, who surprisingly TKO'd the Iceman in the third round. It was at this point that Dana White would send Chuck to Pride FC to win their middleweight Grand Prix tournament, but he ran into some trouble after KOing Alistair Overeem when he fought Rampage Jackson in the semifinals. And by trouble, I mean he was beaten badly. But Liddell would rebound, returning to the UFC to KO rival and former champion Tito Ortiz, then Vernon White just to stay busy as he waited to rematch the natural. This time for the actual title, and in the first round of this historical UFC 52 main event, Liddell would KO Randy and finally claim the division's top prize. The card went down 2,529 days after Chuck first started professional MMA. Six years, 11 months worth the wait though. Number six, Vitor Belfort. The Phenom was just 19 years old when he first stepped into the octagon and won the UFC 12 tournament on February 7th of 1997. Vitor Belfort had a single pro bout prior to that, a 12-second KO of John Hess at Super Brawl 2. Are you beginning to see why they called him the Phenom? Don't you dare make a PED joke, Tommy. After TKOing Tank Abbott in his next promotional outing, Belfort suffered his first defeat in a heavyweight title eliminator at the grappling of Randy Couture. That'll teach these kids to respect their elders. Get your ass out of here. Next, Vitor would pop off an armbar win against Joe Charles at UFC Japan before taking nearly a year off, bumping down to light heavyweight and smashing Vanderlei Silva in 44 seconds. We then got Pride-era Phenom from 1999 to 2001, losing only to Sakuraba, and going on a four-fight tear that set up the Brazilian for a UFC 33 return against light heavyweight champion Tito Ortiz. But Belfort would be forced out with an injury, his consolation a loss to Chuck Liddell when he got back. A rebound TKO over Marvin Eastman granted Vitor a title shot at new 205-pound Champion Couture though, where Belfort accidentally damaged Randy's eye so severely in the first minute that the fight was called. He would lose the immediate rematch that summer, but it counts as a title reign, the only of his career, and from his phenomenal start to the folly of his UFC 46 win, a total of 2,550 days passed. That's just shy of seven years, a long wait for a bad night. Number 5. Aljamain Sterling you thought the last entry was controversial? Well, let me tell you about Aljo Sterling and his seven-year run-up to UFC gold. A four-time CFFC bantamweight champ, Sterling entered the UFC in 2014 a perfect 8-0, and that streak would continue through his first two years in the promotion, scoring four wins with three finishes, most notably against Takeo Mizugaki. Then the future champ hit a rough patch, back-to-back split decision losses to Brian Caraway and Sun Sonsau. He would get back on track, though, with victories over Augusto Mendez and former title-holder Henan Hennenborough, before suffering his worst defeat, a brutal first-round KO by Marlon Moraes that left Sterling dabbing on the haters. 2018 would begin his ascension up the ranks, though. He beat Brett Johns. He subbed Cody Stamen. That next year, he won a UD over Jimmy Rivera. People started talking titles. He did the same to Pedro Munoz. More fans were clamoring for him to get his shot. Then he subbed Corey Sandhagen at UFC 250, and there was simply no more denying him. So at UFC 259, Aljo took on bantamweight champion Piotr Jan and gloriously defeated him to start the Sterling era. I'm just kidding, he very controversially became the first First to ever win a title in the UFC off a DQ caused by a 100% illegal knee that may or may not have been devastating enough to warrant a victory for Aljo in a fight he was handily losing. I'll let you decide how you feel about that one in the comments. The official books will forever list him a champion, though, and he did so 2,570 days after he first stepped foot in the Octagon. Number 4. Fabricio Verdum Things were going great for Fabrício Verdum in 2008. The world champion grappler cut his teeth on the Brazilian regional scene before heading to Pride for a stint and found himself in the UFC by 2007. While he would lose his promotional debut to former champion Andre Arlovski, back-to-back TKO victories over recent title contender Gabriel Gonzaga and up-and-coming talent Brandon Vera had Vi Cavallo pretty much lined up for a heavyweight title challenge. He would just need to beat promotional newcomer Junior Dos Santos. That should be easy, right? It wasn't. He got folded up like fresh laundry and cut from the promotion without any notice. Well, fuck Fabrizio Verdum, I guess. The Brazilian would sign with Strike Force and rattle off a couple victories before doing the unthinkable and dethroning the greatest heavyweight in the world, the unbeatable Fedor Emelianenko. While his victory shook up the whole damn sport, a disappointing loss to Alistair Overeem in his next outing had a silver lining. He would be brought back into the UFC and kicked off the first year of his second run with wins over Roy Nelson and Mike Russo. Next, he would armbar Big Nog, a massive feather in any jiu-jitsu player's cap, before defeating Travis Brown in a title eliminator. But the title would have to wait. Injuries kept champion Cain Velasquez sidelined. Verdum would win an interim title over Mark Hunt and finally get his shot at UFC 188 over a mile into the sky in Mexico City where Fabricio would take advantage of the lack of oxygen and submit the champion in the third round. From contender to fired and all the way back again, it took Verdum eight years to finally achieve that UFC gold. A total of 2,976 days. Stipe Miocic would violently take it from him shortly after his initial victory. This sport shows no mercy. Number three, Michael Bisping. This is probably who you were thinking of when you read the title for this list. And rightfully, when you're talking about a near decade between debut and finally winning a title, it's going to be a huge part of the narrative, especially for a fighter like Michael Bisping, who spent the entirety of those 3,634 days in the UFC. Mike started his journey, of course, by winning tough in June of 2008, but then never seemed to be able to beat the guy right before the guy. He won his first four, Hamill decision aside, then suffered his first career defeat to future champion Rashad Evans. He bumped down to middleweight. Scored three wins in a row, only to lose a title eliminator via Shuffle Shuffle H-Bomb to Dan Henderson. His next run would see him win five of six before losing another title eliminator, this time to Jail Sonnen. This narrative would follow him throughout his career. He'd beat Brian Stan, then get KO'd by Vitor. He iPoke murdered Alan Belcher, then lost to Tim Kennedy. He brutalized Kung Lee, then got subbed by Luke Rockhold. It just seemed like the count was never going to get over the hump. Then 2016 happened. Following wins over C.B. Dalloway and Thalas Latus, Bisbee was given a bout with Anderson Silva, one he would incredibly, if not a bit controversially, win after nearly losing mid-fight. He'd finally beaten one of the guys before the guy. And while that didn't warrant a title fight, it did make Mike the perfect choice for a late replacement fill-in against champion Luke Rockhold at UFC 199, about he absolutely wasn't supposed to win, but of course he did, and the longest, continuous UFC journey to gold had finally been culminated. That was until our next entry very recently took that distinction. Number two, Charles Oliveira charlie motherfucking olives it's like he's always just been there right like oh yeah charles olivera he's in the ufc he's doing things i don't know what those things are but i'm sure he's doing them and then what's this almost 11 years pass and suddenly du bronx is the hottest thing in the lightweight division he ko's michael chandler at ufc 262 and wins the vacant strap how the hell did 3941 days go by so fast well the journey was no bed of roses for Oliveira. let me tell you chuck came into the ufc a perfect 12 and 0 back in august of 2010 and got himself a pair of submissions of the night right out of the gate, a theme that would run through his career. But following losses to Jim Miller and Cowboy, Oliveira decided to bump down to featherweight, a move that would have mixed results. As in, four missed weights and a divisional record of 7-5. and five. Much like Bisping, he just couldn't ever beat the next guy. Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas. He was spinning his wheels at 145 pounds. And so DuBronx would move back up to lightweight, and following a win over Will Brooks, get TKO'd by Paul Felder. He'd now lost four of his last six. Things were getting grim, and then Charlie would go on an eight-fight win streak, earning six performance bonuses along the way, and defeating the likes of Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson to finally find his place in the sun, a rightful claim to one-half of that vacant title fight at UFC 262. What a journey, but not the longest. Not even close, in fact. number 1. Robbie Lawler Oh, is 11 years a long time to wait to get a title? How about nearly 13? Yes, Robbie Lawler did not spend all that time in the UFC like Oliveira and Bisping, but from debut to his eventual title reign, there has never been and likely never will be, another whose road was longer or more unlikely. For someone to best that record this year, they would have needed to debut in the UFC back in October of 2008 and not become a champion until right now. So unless Jim Miller or Matt Brown win a title soon, or Ryan Bader comes back to the UFC, Robbie's record 4,594 days will remain. Lawler's initial seven-fight run in the UFC from 2002 to 2004 was full of highs and lows. He would leave 4-3, losing back-to-back against Nick Diaz and Evan Tanner. He wouldn't return for nearly a decade, but started off his time away hot, winning eight of his next ten, and earning the Elite XC middleweight title before signing with Strikeforce. And while he would compete for that promotion's 185-pound championship, his record there was abysmal going just three and five he certainly didn't look like a future ufc champion at that point it looked like the best years were behind him in fact but then he changed camps to american top team he bumped down to welterweight and he made his ufc return by ko tkoing josh Koscheck and bobby volker before earning a split decision win against a man seen as the division's future in roy mcdonald that victory got robbie his first ufc title opportunity and he would come up short a ud loss to johnny Hendricks at ufc 171 two more contenders knocked off though and he would get a second chance at Hendricks. this time narrowly earning a split decision. The Ruthless One was finally a UFC champion. He would go on to have two of the greatest title defenses in the history of the sport before dropping the strap to Tyron Woodley, but what a hell of a ride. Big ol' out to my dude Luke Taylor for editing this video together. You can find him and his awesome digital art on Twitter at me underscore. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram. And Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.